Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast, this being episode 851. This is a different episode than normal. Obviously, we usually have a guest. This one, uh, this particular episode will be devoid of any type of guest uh, that we had. Uh, um, we had a guest lined up for this particular episode. I think we're probably still going to try and uh, have him on uh, either next week or later on this week. Chris Pomeroy uh, from uh, he's Canadian motocross uh Legend throughout the 90s, uh, top 10 number guy, a uh, guy who uh, has been a fixture within the sport of motocross in the, the country of Canada for a long period of time, and uh, looking forward to connecting with him. He's a repeat offender on the podcast. He's been on before, two or three times before, uh, mind you, uh, a couple of years ago when we were talking about the Triple Crown series, uh, which I believe is only about 40 days away from kicking off for the first rounds, and uh, for the first time in two years, they'll be going well. West and uh, some from rounds in BC as well as Alberta. Saskatchewan is not on the series this year, but Manitoba is. And then, of course, a number of rounds throughout uh, the usual suspects of Gopher Dunes and uh, um, and Walton. So, uh, looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a different kind of podcast. And uh, if you haven't already gone to BigMXRadio.com and entered the raffle, uh, please go do so. Uh, we're almost out of raffle tickets. We set a limit of 1,000 tickets for this particular raffle. We wanted to be able to raise enough money to obviously pay for the bike that, for those who don't know, Yamaha did not give me a motorcycle to uh, to, to, to give away for this. It's not like uh, the Pulpamex Privateer Challenge. Uh, this is a bike that uh, I basically rolled the dice uh, on uh, being able to uh, mobilize the Big MX Radio faithful and uh, and purchase a motorcycle out of the ticket sales uh, and then price it so so as such so that we would be able to raise enough money to uh, to make something special happen which is going to ha- be happening later this summer we're going to be doing a riding school uh, still yet to be determined on the location for that and uh, we're trying to get some uh, riding clinic instructors locked down for it but essentially what's going to happen is uh, one of two things it's either going to be completely free and we're going to have a certain number of people that are allowed to enter because obviously if we, if we sign up uh, set up a, uh, a free clinic everyone and their dog is going to show up 
or we're going to have a clinic where you do have to pay a small amount to go to the clinic, uh, but you will receive a voucher to uh, to race an upcoming uh, race, whether that be, uh, I think that's going to be one of the a lo a local race close to the spot where we end up doing the clinic. And that was actually uh, a really good idea that my girlfriend had. So uh, I think that's what we're probably going to do. So um, more news to come out about that, but go to BigMXRadio.com, one ticket for 20 three for 50 or you get 10 tickets for 120 bucks there's 13 prizes in total including brand new team jerseys in fact they'll be race worn team jerseys from team solitaire uh there's a get shit done coffee pack as well as a 204 skate shop apparel pack uh complete guts racing seat for whatever bike you have a uh set of flex air motocross gear from fox racing canada uh Phoenix Handlebars has also set us up. Uh, a number of different companies have uh, have reached out and wanted to be a part of it. You can get your graphics done tip to tail by Throttle Syndicate. You can get yourself a brand new Throttle timepieces watch, $125 value, uh, and all all for uh, and of course the top prize, a 2022 YZ252 stroke, which I am driving to Calgary this weekend to go pick up so you'll actually be able to see the physical bike uh whether you believe it or not that we are in fact giving away a motorcycle i don't think i could get away with uh we're not giving out, out a bike at this point uh on how many tickets we've sold we've sold just over 750 tickets which means there's just under 250 left available go to the website go buy one uh it, like if you're superstitious about uh, giveaways in the past we know that uh, a ton of the pulpamex uh, giveaway bikes were were won uh in the closing weeks uh, or sometimes even the closing day but uh it's one of those things where we are going to run out so you're not going to be able to wait until may 30th to uh to go out and buy your tickets uh they'll be long gone so Go to the website, buy up the tickets that are still available, and to the best of luck to you. So let's jump straight into this thing, guys. Um, like, a couple of talking points that I want to get off, uh, sort of just like, like talking out loud here uh, about some of the things that I've seen throughout the Supercross series. Um, and, and if you're going to start off with uh, the big stories, you might as well start off with maybe the biggest uh, star in the sport right now. No, it's not Eli Tomac. It's Jet Lawrence. And... Uh, whether you love the kid, hate the kid, or fall somewhere in between, uh, he gets a ton of coverage, and it's warranted. Honestly, he's he's been uh, he's been lights out as far as speed. Has he won every single race? No, but he's been he's been arguably the fastest guy at every single race that he's been to so far, at least in qualifying or uh, or even in the main events. Hasn't quite figured out those triple crown series uh, races just yet, but once he does, I'm sure he's gonna have one of those. Uh, uh, he's gonna sweep one of those, just like Austin Forkner has in the past. Uh, but this weekend, Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, a speedway race, and we're going to get to talking about that in a little bit. But um, it's a it's it's a little bit of a different layout, a little bit of a, a, obviously a different soil than uh, they're used to. It's different soil than what they bring in to the dome, as well as it's uh, it's an outdoor. They're like this is it, there is no bottom to this. Uh, they don't put down plywood. Um, it is the the some of the racing surface is the speedway itself. Uh, and it opens things up, I think, there, for some great racing, as well as some cool different passes, some big jumps. Obviously, there was this gigantic jump that was there during press day. Uh, they were saying it was 120 feet. I'm thinking it was probably closer to 100. But either way, the thing was a complete send out there. And for those who were hoping that the, the that jump was going to stay there, like I just don't see that there any way that they could have gotten away with that. Like, clearly... Uh, like. 
obviously like neat idea to have a jump that big, but to have that much of a risk reward jump this close to the end of the series, uh, when championships are all but sewn up, there's just no need for it. And I was really surprised to see that it got built to begin with, and I was not surprised to see it got taken down, especially after Hunter Lawrence goes ass over tea kettle uh, after coming up just the perfect amount short. He ends up letting go of the, of the motorcycle, uh, piles himself in pretty good, and didn't seem too worse for wear, because we're going to talk about it in a second or two here, but the guy ended up getting himself a win. So, like, hats off to him for that, but uh, uh, Dirtworks definitely challenging the guys. I, I liked some of the different obstacles out there. I love that there was two whoop sections, uh, and they were different spacing as well, which I think was really neat, uh, as well as one of them was coming out of a left-hand corner, the other one was coming out of a right-hand corner, really challenging the guys. There was some really neat uh, jump section. Every time, Anytime you can use the over-under bridge to your uh, disposal, I think that's a good thing as well. Uh, the track just uh, had, had all kinds of... Uh, uh, some character to it, and I think that made for great racing as well. At, at, at the very least, some uh, some great visuals out there on the track. But let's talk Jet. Let's talk Craig. The whole the weeks leading up to this uh, round, it was Jet Lawrence, Christian Craig, Jet Lawrence, Christian Craig. And first and foremost, Jet basically uh, ignored the whole situation. He said, "Like I I'm not I'm not going there to beat the guy. I've got my own championship to worry about. If he beats me, great. If he, if I beat him." Great. That's uh, that's really not who I'm racing, which was a surprising take to me, to be completely honest. I really thought that Jet Lawrence would seize that opportunity to assert himself and and uh, and basically like I, I thought he would have had uh, as good a chance of beating Craig as anybody. He, he certainly put in some better laps than him throughout the main event. Uh, but uh, all that build up and within the first lap, it was kind of it was all for naught. Jet goes down. Uh, at the end of the set of whoops, after uh, a pretty spectacular uh, pass through those whoops, where he, I think he hit at least three of them just on the back tire alone, he ends up going down, scrambles, gets back up, 15th spot. That's a lot of guys to pass, especially in a east-west showdown, because you it's not just 15 guys that are, are typically on one, one coast or another. This is basically the combined top 10 from either coasts, um, and... and it, you, it was uh, the proof was out there. Jet had his work cut out for him. He basically had to pass uh, named guys the entire time through, and uh, like honestly, there wasn't too many guys he had much uh, much problem with. He's clearly the class of the field as far as speed wise and racecraft at such a young age. Um, it really is spectacular to see. Now, was he able to get all the way to the front? He wasn't, but I still think that it was a positive race for them, for him anyway, and. Um, yeah, like it, it, it's just, if anything, it just continues the question, what would happen Jet versus Craig? And you know what? We're going to get another opportunity to see that at Salt Lake City in just three weeks' time. So, uh, yeah, everyone might just get their wish. They might just have to wait a little bit longer. On the, the side of Christian Craig, he ends up getting second on the on the, the night, but basically, like, he, he might as well have been uh, somewhere off in the weeds because all anyone ever wanted to talk about, especially at the press conference, was Jet and Hunter. The Lawrences uh, bookended the pre the podium, and, and good on them for doing so. Like, you get Hunter Lawrence, who for the most part lives in the shadow and and sort of lurks in the shadows of his of his younger brother, who like has taken this sport by storm. He is an absolute media darling, uh, and Red Bull just like 
the kid embraces the the spotlight and, th- and then they shine it brighter on him uh but on this night or this day at rather it was a day race uh it was hunter lawrence uh, he, he put in good qualifying times. He was up there during the heat races. And then once the gate dropped for the, for the main event, uh, he was very workmanlike. He was, he was calculated. He was able to get past Joe Shimoda. Uh, and from there, honestly, he just put in solid laps, dropped his lap times when he absolutely needed to, to be able to pull himself away to Christian Craig. And, um, and honestly, it, it goes to show how hard Christian Craig had to push to in, in order to uh, attempt the pass because Craig ends up going down, uh, sitting in second place. He doesn't end up relinquishing the position, but he ends up going down trying to match Hunter's speed, which this is something that I talked to uh, Hunter about in the press conference is this is completely different than the Hunter Lawrence that we remember from four years or from two years ago when he first showed up in Supercross, very raw, very unpolished. Um, and just not ready to lead these laps. Like there, that was one of the reasons why he was getting hurt a lot of times in his earliest days on Supercross is just because the mistakes were so often, uh, and they were severe ones. Nowadays, uh, he seems very solid. Yeah, he has his crashes, but who doesn't when it comes to Supercross? Lord knows, even Eli Tomac had him uh, was seeing Jesus as well as all three sides uh, of that, uh, all both sides of the uh, that Yamaha when he uh, clipped the end of the. Uh, uh, berm coming across the, the start finish line or the like the start line there but uh hunter he, he's he's evolved into a very proficient supercross racer and uh if not for anaheim three i think this is a very close championship and one that he honestly you could possibly see uh could have seen brothers vying for championships um in 2022 that would be for sure a first that's never happened uh, in fact brothers uh have only ever raced um a couple of different times in the 250 class obviously jeff and mike alessi uh the uh volan brothers in the earliest days of the class and uh trying to think of anybody else who's else have done it possibly the sipes brothers uh as well as the Hahn brothers uh from the mid 2000s uh, but it hasn't happened lately and certainly not at this level. Hats off to, uh, to Hunter Lawrence for able to get that done. And, uh, as far as the, uh, Jet versus Craig battle, the jury is out. Next thing that I wanted to chat with you guys about is Austin Forkner. Uh, talk about a guy who has really taken on his career has taken on, uh, a bit of a disguise, uh, in the fact that his, his, his career basically mirrors that of his trainer, Robbie Wageman, or Robbie Wageman, Robbie Raynard, who is uh, who was an absolute superstar amateur phenom coming up through the ranks and had immediate success in the 250 class in the I guess the two, the 125 class at the time now considered now called the 250 class because obviously uh, uh, it used to be 125 two strokes and 254 252 strokes now. 250, four strokes, 454 strokes. I don't think I need to explain that to you, but uh, all too often when I'm uh, explaining things on Instagram or something like that, someone's like, don't you mean 250 class? I'm like, well, I do, but now if I say 250 class, people think I need 125s. Uh, but either way, uh, I like that's maybe the one bit of uh, of the two-stroke, two four-stroke thing that uh, just irks me is the fact that uh, uh, the premier class used to be the 250 class. Now is the uh, the supplementary class, or uh, some people still can consider that. Some people consider the 250 class equal footing. Uh, but either way, Austin Forkner, uh, he had success right off the hop. 
Uh, obviously not his first, very first year racing in Supercross. I think he had uh, a couple of get-offs uh, during that season. But uh, since then, has racked up wins. He's gone fast. He's uh, he's had flash. And he's, he's shown that dash that allows him to uh, take the lead and win the first uh, the first heat race of the two. Uh, he was extremely impressive in that. I think, uh, and that, honestly, coming off of injury, uh, obviously, like, it was a very minor injury. It was a collarbone that he came back from, probably got plated. Uh, and he'd been on Supercross for about six, seven days. Uh, these guys don't forget how. Uh, but just amazing to see him be able to, to uncork that speed and be able to keep up with someone the likes of uh, RJ Hampshire, who is well known for being one of the absolute speed demons of the 250 class. Like RJ, uh, amateur superstar of his own right. He won the amateur, uh, uh, the uh, amateur all-stars. Uh, just like Austin Forkner did at uh, at Monster Cup, his year that he came through. Uh, and, and Austin gets the better of him in that heat race. Uh, it looked like he lost a little bit of steam in the main event, though, which is understandable. If you haven't been racing, uh, you're not at race pace, you maybe you're not at race fitness, totally understandable as to why you wouldn't be able to uh, to maintain that and, uh, and, and race to the best of your abilities. Obviously, he looked like he was riding a little bit of a wide bike when Jet goes by, and then uh, Jet... Did exactly that. Went by in the whoops, uh, blew his doors off, and like off to the races. I got to go catch third place, guys. I, I don't have time. Uh, and and Forkner ended up. I think he ended up sixth on on the night, which. I think honestly, if you were to guess how, like, where he would have been uh, prior to the weekend, you're like, yeah, fifth, sixth is probably where he probably likes like a comeback ride off of an injury. You probably think he's going to be around the sixth place spot. Uh, but he did so in a little bit more spectacular fashion than I thought he would. Uh, a lot of times, guys coming off injuries, they get a so-so start, and they sort of just wear, work their way up to where they're probably supposed to be based on speed and attrition. But uh, Austin Forkner was a fighter on this weekend. He he put himself in good positions. He fought for the start, and he was able to get uh, into a really good position to possibly challenge for the lead. I just think he kind of ran out of steam. I think he did put the bike down uh, for a short bit, and that's why he ended up getting back to the position he was at. Uh, but he was able to stay there, which is good. And I think that uh, that's a step in the right direction. Obviously, the championship is uh, is winding right down. They only have the three rounds left. They're going to go to Foxborough this weekend, which is a day race again, uh, as well as Denver. So we got three three day races in a row uh, day races, not my favorite thing to be completely honest. Uh, Supercross uh, is supposed to be a night thing uh, with the, the fireworks and the lights and the whole nine yards. I will, however, say that I think I like speedway races during the day. Just reminds me a little bit more of, uh, of the Daytona Supercrosses back in the day. Like if it was sunny, the track would get all baked and it's kind of like almost more motocrossy, which I like more. Uh, after all, uh, Supercross is super motocross after all. And then I, I think some more motocross-ish elements would be a good thing. Uh, and so let's let's talk about that. Honestly, is, is that like speedway races? They 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 add a little bit of a different wrinkle. To be completely honest, you have different shapes of jumps. You have different lengths. Obviously, you, oh, we talked about that uh, that big jump from uh, press day that ended up getting taken away. They still had a pretty big jump there. You get the opportunity to send it into the sand. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am not sending it like that. I'm not going uh, deep into uh, a, a set of sand whoops like that. And if I did, I'd probably just fall out of the sky and be stuck there in the sand just might as well get out the sandals and just be hanging out put out a beach uh beach towel because i'm probably not going anywhere um but either way uh cool to see cool um cool obstacles and just a, like some 
some different t- style of racing. You get some guys that they maybe maybe they're better at these particular kinds of rounds. If they had maybe one or two extra one of them, you might actually have a little bit of like uh, uh, not only do you have an east west um, style of uh, different tracks, maybe you also have east west and speedway or stadium. Uh, adding different wrinkles uh, is is ways that we can uh, increase the uh, the entertainment value of the sport, and I think that it's good. The only thing that I that I, I don't think that uh, played off great for this last weekend is uh, and I, it worked out that I didn't have much going on on Saturday. But if I had, or if it had been nicer weather, because if you didn't know, Winnipeg, uh, where I'm from, and not for long, uh, is uh, is was home to a April blizzard that basically paralyzed the a, a city that knows itself around some snow. Uh, we got almost two feet of snow over the course of two days starting this last Wednesday uh, prior to this last weekend. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Things have already started to melt a little bit, but uh, for the most part, it is still full-blown winter. Uh, but for those of you who live in uh, like at least a little bit more moderate climates, hell, uh, if you lived in a beautiful city like Calgary, Lord knows you've probably been riding two or three times already this year and maybe you're riding this weekend but uh like here it's not the case honestly for myself this weekend uh when it comes to uh foxborough i will not be uh i will not be watching that race uh in in real time unless uh unless it, like my schedule happens to change my plan is to be at wild rose mx park in calgary alberta and uh and honestly i would i would suggest you guys to do the same go to your local track get in some throttle therapy and uh, and spend some time on your dirt bike because that's how it's supposed to be um it absolutely blows my mind to think that uh that feld thinks that uh having these races midday is a is a good move for the sport i don't think like obviously they probably get a little bit more money for it but I, I think it's honestly at the detriment of the series and it's kind of good luck, good on their, like it's good, their luck that the series are basically done for all intents and purposes. The championships are completely sewn up and, and that is that there's not really a whole lot going on as far as racing um, for championships, obviously points battles and stuff like that. But um, Jason Anderson, Anderson can win out. And I think Eli Tomac can be fifth every weekend. And he still wins the championships going away. Uh, in fact, if he, if he beats Anderson in any form this weekend, I think he wraps it up completely uh, with currently, I believe a 50 point lead. Uh, so obviously with two rounds to go, if he has, if he has 52 points uh, going into the last, last two rounds he can't be beaten he could show up on a two-stroke and still be able to get things done i think that would be super cool for some reason he won't do that and that's super lame but i think he should i think that would be really really cool and uh especially for yamaha who still makes that motorcycle i would i would be like yeah head out on there on it why not like obviously that's not that's not the main bike that they're trying to sell that's not the main bike that he's been racing all series and there's just there's some obviously if he's not comfortable on that machine that's a little bit more dangerous but you know what? Back in the day, they used to race the damn things full time. So uh, I think that would be really cool. And uh, yeah, like I said, why not? But uh, you know, they won't do it. Um, speaking of uh, like getting out there and enjoying your bike, uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the upcoming riding season. 
I, and, and feel free to connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you uh, when it comes to uh, what your plans are as far as uh, what, what races you want to hit, which races you'd suggest that uh, if I'm going to do some traveling this summer, perhaps, where, uh, uh, where you might want to see me at a track or like, what's on your particular schedule. But uh, this year, I plan on getting back to the track like never before. Uh, an opportunity to, to race multiple races in the past uh, three years I've or last two years I've only raced three times twice uh, last summer uh, no two summers and then only once this last summer prior to that uh, so it uh, yeah it's it's important to be able to get back on the motorcycle I obviously had a, a shoulder injury that started last season uh, the other uh, year prior to that I had no excuse just uh, uh, just wasn't able to race as much as obviously like you know the year prior was COVID and uh, yeah that was that was zero fun um, so, uh, anyway, um, yeah, let me know where you guys are racing. Let, let me know where you guys are, uh, what region, what series, what, what you're looking forward to. Uh, and, and I, I'm personally looking forward to, and I, I will be making a move uh, as of, uh, July 1st, I'll be, uh, headed out to, uh, Calgary, Alberta to, uh, to call that place home. So looking forward to racing at wild Rose as well as, uh, as, as some of the other, um, Alberta races, perhaps even some, uh, some Western Saskatchewan races. Uh, but before I head out that way, I will be able to hit at least one or two Manitoba, uh, races. And of course, if you're, if you're not familiar, uh, one of the best tracks that we have on the circuit here locally is none other than Grunthal Centennial Raceway. I know it's called GMX now or Grunthal Motocross Facility or whatever it's called now. It's To me, it's always Grunthal Centennial Raceway. That's what it was called when I first raced there back in 2001, the last race of the year. And uh, and, and to me, that's what it'll always be. Um, and like honestly, like let's talk a little bit about like the evolution of going to the races because uh, when I started racing back in 2001, it was not uncommon whatsoever for I would say at least 50 plus percent of the people who showed up. Not only did they show up the morning of, but a lot of them showed up truck, bike. That's it pop up an awning and let's get after it. There, there wasn't even a lot of people who, sh there was certainly not a lot of people who showed up in a motor home. The odd person might have an enclosed trailer, uh, but a non-enclosed trailer was very common and well as well. In fact, uh, current, uh, an old Manitoba pro who's currently living out in Calgary, his name is Adam Pfeiffer, used to show up racing the pro class. And uh, this, he did this all the way into the mid 2000s. He used to drive a Pontiac Sunfire and he would pull a car trailer behind it with a toolbox stuck in the middle. The bikes would show up dusty from him driving down dirt roads with these damn things. He would un unlock both of these, both both bikes, uh, pull them pull them off the uh, off the car trailer, uh, set his tire pressure for the day, and he would run top top three, sometimes even win pro motos on on, uh, on a pretty ragtag setup. Uh, in fact, I think he's got a better setup to this day, but either way, Adam Pfeiffer was an absolute legend. That's the first guy that I went to California with back in 2010, and he would just rag my ass about how much riding I was doing versus how much talking I was doing in the pits, something that I'm still guilty of to this day, but of course, I got my own podcast. What am I supposed to do? But 
Adam Pfeiffer was a great friend of mine, a guy that used to take me to uh, a lot of uh, riding spots here and around Winnipeg, uh, where uh, there's this one place, actually, it's called, uh, in, out in a place called Lebo, where it was this deep sand track. It was basically kind of like single track, but a little bit wider than that, uh, and it was about a 45 to, uh, no, it was probably about a minute and a half lap time, and it was just sand woofs and sand woofs, and he would go all day long he'd come in fuel the bike up go back out i would he like i basically he would start his moto i'd get tired pull off sit there for a few minutes i'd start riding again i'd get tired again before he was done uh and then when he was officially done he'd get right back to the truck throw the front tire up into his uh the truck because we had a truck by this point uh throw the front tire on the truck and load the thing before he even took his helmet off adam pfeiffer was an absolute uh, stud back in the day. The guy had uh, was just he's way too fast and uh, yeah, just good people. And I'm look, actually looking forward to reconnecting with him when I go out to Alberta. But um, yeah, that's that like like the truck only with just a bike in the back. Maybe you have an awning, maybe you don't. Uh, in fact, my first the full first year that I raced, we did not have an easy up by any means. In fact, I remember it wasn't until uh, there was a race in Austin where my dad and I were actually hiding under the truck most of the day uh, trying to stay out of the sun because uh, it was in the upper 40s or for my American listeners, uh, over 95 degrees up here in Canada, believe it or not, sweltering heat, 100% humidity, and uh, and then uh, so our local dealership, Headingley Sport Shop, happened to notice that we were hanging out under there and asked us, like, do we not have an awning? And my dad said, no, we don't have one, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, and we had purchased, obviously, a lot of parts because, obviously, I'm hard on bikes because I was crashing all the time because I'm not very good at riding dirt bikes, uh, especially at the age of 12. Uh, so, uh, they, they took pity on us and, and hooked us up with a, with an awning. We had one and we still have that awning to this very day. It's in a little bit of disrepair, but, uh, uh, dad keeps it out of, uh, out of being the most sentimental and stubborn man that I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, so if you're not running a, a just a truck, uh, or a car with a trailer, you might be in a van. Van is like a step up from that because at least you have shelter at all times. Uh, more often than not, the, the van sort of smells like the bikes themselves. So that's maybe a little bit of a drawback. So maybe, but maybe you have a sprinter where the uh, the bike area and the uh, sort of the living quarters or the driving areas are separate. And that's really sort of that's like as far as like single vehicle traveling, I think that's uh, maybe the the absolute pinnacle of uh, of the evolution of going to the races. From there, you have obviously what I currently have situation, which is a which is a, a half ton pickup truck, or maybe you've got a one ton truck. Maybe you've got a reason to have a one ton truck other than pulling a motocross trailer, uh, and that's what you pull to the races. That's what Dad drives. He he uses that to pull the masonry trailer uh, about uh, maybe ten times a year, uh, but he somehow justifies having a one ton uh, regardless. Uh, big old F three fifty. It's actually a very simple order. Every three years, he goes to Wilf's Eli Ford out here in Manitoba, and uh, they have the same truck order for him every year. White with every single possible accessory that uh, that, that truck can come with. And uh, and I'm sure they have his his, uh, his old lease uh, sold long before he even shows up. 
to uh to send it back but uh so truck and trailer is honestly like i i think is uh uh if you're unless you're doing going like full fun mover style uh it's the way to go uh you you can sleep in them aluminum trailer if it rains you're gonna have a pretty noisy night uh but they're pretty cool in the in the summertime and uh they keep everything dry uh as long as that uh that vent on top isn't le- leaking i have a pretty funny story about that as well uh buddy of mine uh, uh justin Fillion. we drove out to melita manitoba which is about three hours away from winnipeg three and a half hours so we're not driving the morning of we head out there he had the world's smallest trailer uh we pull the bikes out uh no we pulled my bike out leave his bike in i'm on a cot and he decided he was going to sleep on an air mattress on the floor that was a great idea until it started absolutely pouring like cats and dogs and that plastic vent that was on the top that thing wasn't uh waterproof for shit and he he woke up in the middle of the night in a pool of water he's he's yelling he can't believe he's all wet uh he's soaked there's there's and there was nowhere else for him to, to lay down like he basically had to like uh he ended up either sleeping in the truck or something along those lines is an absolute melee uh the next day it was actually perfect because it's like melita if you don't know uh was a very very deep sand track and they used to basically groom it by pulling uh just basically just pulling a, a chain link fence over it and just smoothing everything out smoothing everything out uh and then with the rain that came the next day it all packed down uh obviously by the end of the day it was rough and crazy and like the bomb holes were all over the place way out of my skill level but during practice your boy over here felt like an absolute rock star you just hold the bike wide open because he's just gonna dig and eat i think it was still in four strokes at the time uh absolutely love it back back in 2009 racing with my buddy justin Fillion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so finishing off the evolution of going to the races, if you're, if you're really, uh, set your sights on going to a lot of races, making it a family atmosphere and, uh, and just doing it right, you might end up finding yourself with either a, either a full on motorhome or you've got yourself a, a beautiful, uh, full size truck, probably, uh, uh, either a two, a, a 2,500 250 or a 350 uh from ford um and then you're pulling a, uh, a fifth wheel i think fifth wheel is probably the, the the best way to go you got yourself uh like a, a little bit of a garage in the back separate from where the bikes are uh you can probably you can usually fit uh a couple of bikes for yourself the wife a couple of bikes for the kids as well uh and it keeps everything organized you got the living quarters you got uh, the master suite the whole nine yards kitchen and, and that's going to the races in style and you don't you didn't see that a lot back in the day like i said when i first started racing more often than not people showed up morning of that's why actually morning of like uh riders meeting used to be later it used to be eight o'clock uh because just give people more time to get to the track but nowadays most people sleep there uh and are there the morning of uh so like nowadays here in manitoba if i'm not mistaken riders meetings at 7 15 you gotta be at the track registered and good to go by 7 a.m so if the track's two hours away that means you're leaving the house at 4 30 it's pretty impractical uh, but be that as it may, we got a lot of classes and we got a lot of racers here in Manitoba or possibly where you're at as well. Um, but yeah, so that's like, uh, that's sort of one of the things that I've noticed over the years is just like, it used to be way more acceptable and way more, uh, common for people to show up in a pickup truck with a dirt bike in the back of it. You don't see it as often. If you do, it's usually cause I'm showing up that way. Uh, but, uh, that unfortunately doesn't happen as often as it, as it needs to. But like I said, 
uh, um, mostly thanks to the move that I'm going to make starting July 1st. Uh, I'll be at the track and the races a whole lot more in this uh, coming future. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you guys enjoyed me uh, sort of uh, rambling through, touching on some stuff, and uh, and just sort of uh, spitballing at you. Sorry that we weren't able to have uh, Chris Pomeroy on. Uh, he's a great motocross mind, and uh, and if we're able to connect with him tomorrow evening, we definitely will. So you guys will get two podcasts this week, uh, and then of course next week we're looking to uh, to bring on uh, Danica White as she'll be back from California uh, after uh, doing the uh, the Babes in the Dirt ride, which is something I believe that'll be her third year doing it. Uh, a really cool thing that uh, Fox Racing puts on in conjunction with uh, Husqvarna USA, and I guess Husqvarna Canada as well would be tied in with that as they are uh, uh, affiliated, uh, obviously. So um, enjoy this podcast. Like I said, if you hadn't, if you didn't already go to bigmxradio.com to check things out uh, and, um, and get yourself some raffle tickets, go there before they all sell out. I uh, would really, really appreciate if you guys support that. I want all those tickets to sell out and so that we can host that riding school so that nobody ends up having to pay for it or we're able to give back as much as we can. And honestly, you could win a brand new 252 stroke for as little as $20, uh, which is, a, I think, a pretty good deal. So I hope you guys go do that. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I hope you're also playing Big MX Radio Trivia free trivia game that we play every single day uh, on Big MX Radio, Instagram, as well as Brad Gebhardt 88 Go check those out. Uh, every time you answer correctly throughout the month, you are entered to win monthly prizes. Sometimes it's a seat cover from Guts Racing. Sometimes it's a throttle timepieces watch. Sometimes it's a set of bars and grips uh, from Phoenix Handlebars. So go check that out, guys. Uh, BigMXRadio.com. The raffle's there, as well as we have uh, trivia, Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. Take care.